ever been to Carrow Road, Ed? No. Have you? Uh, I've been outside it. I think I might have been there for some sort of non-football related function at some point. Uh, but no, I've never been to see a game there. And I'm not going to next week either because it's a very long way away. It's a very long way away from anywhere. A, a bit like yeah. United and the title race, really. <laughs> Well, listen, we were an integral part of the title race. There's a really weird buzz around Old Trafford before the game, uh, like much more than there's been lately. And I think it was just kind of residual uh, leftover kind of buzz from a title deciding game at Old Trafford in May. We kind of know what that means. It's just the uh, that very much the wrong team could have won it today. Yeah, not in our place. I suppose. God, that's sad, isn't it? Mm. Really is desperate when you're, uh, we're not going to let Leicester win it at our place. That's what's motivating us. I mean, of course, United did have something to play for. And actually, Mm. uh, a win would have been really valuable, especially with City losing to Southampton afterwards. Getting battered, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Two points dropped. I mean, uh, massive drop, really. You'd expect that's it done now. I mean... Four points behind and the goal difference. So United really need to win twice and City need to lose twice in order to make the top four now. It could happen, of course. Um, I suppose it depends on whether City get past Real Madrid this week. Yeah, that's going to make a, a huge difference. The Talking of like cup games, the first half of uh, United-Leicester sort of felt like a spillover from the second half of, well, the, the whole game, uh, the Everton versus United game. It was really frenetic, end-to-end. United much more open with that, uh, 4-1-4-1 or 4-3-3 um, and really attacking as well like it was it was great the, the, the referee held the thing up for you know one minute of uh, stoppages and I was thinking oh is it half time already which is without exaggeration literally the first time I've had that thought at Old Trafford this season yeah I mean it was definitely more entertaining 21 shots or 21 chances created by United 14 from open play um, so yeah it was more entertaining quite end to end at in parts, so United very good for about 20, 25 minutes. Uh, okay for much of the first half, and then clearly dropped off in the second half. Not not the first time we've seen that, of course, under Van Hal. Um, but yeah, an, an an absorbing game. It wasn't dull, uh, which is good, I suppose. I I asked Van Gaal about the difference between the first and second half because it looked really tangible, and I almost wondered whether we'd change system at half time. It was so. It was so much more like more of the same kind of thing that the normal fare we've we served up at Old Trafford. He just sort of waffled a bit about it being normal. Yeah, well, he also <laughs> um, said it was United's best performance of the season, which, hmm, not sure about that one. I mean, it's so crazy. I mean, th- there were good things about the performance, for sure. The, the, there was a lot of attacking f- uh, vigour in the first half and the last 10 minutes... United really picked up again. Once Memphis had come on, funnily enough, we'll come back to Memphis, I guess. Um, but the uh, the overall impact of that second half left it feeling very incongruent when Van Gaal said it was United's best performance. Yeah, um, I don't buy it at all, but uh, they, there you go. I don't buy much of what Van Gaal says these days. United 70% possession, no real surprise there, I suppose. Leicester quite happy to give the ball away and attack on the break. And I think um, they were they were reasonably dangerous, weren't they, Leicester? Not, not super dangerous, and I guess Vardy being missing does make a big difference to their ability to stretch play. Um, Mares. Nice when he got the ball, but actually a bit quieter than he has been for much of the season. Actually, I, I kind of, having seen Leicester a, a few times in recent weeks, I think he's pretty tired. Yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, that comes across. And But a, a game of uh, some controversy as well. Uh, Danny Drinkwater, former Red, getting sent off. I uh, can't really have any argument about that, although uh, whether the foul was in or outside of the box is... Was pretty close, wasn't it? And Mares not getting the penalty when Rojo went in a bit too tight. Um, Wayne Rooney pulling back uh, Schlup um, probably should have been given a second yellow card for that one. Uh, Maran Fellaini with an elbow, surprise, surprise, likely to get a three-match ban for that one. So quite a few things going on there. Yeah, Lingard also pulled back in the first half by someone, uh, maybe Morgan. Well, I don't know that. It's Danny Simpson. Okay. Um, yeah, I thought it was shoulder to shoulder. Okay, so I, I haven't seen any replays of any of these. Yeah, I, I don't think there was a pull at all. I think yeah, he Simpson was just stronger. I mean, I, I have to say, if it'd been the other way round. Um, and uh, United player had got sent off for that, I'd be pretty sick about that. So okay. uh, personally, I thought Lingard wasn't strong enough, and there wasn't a good, a good, uh, a good shout for a, a, 
a free kick then. Of course, it would have been a red card if the referee had really believed that was a foul. Yeah, uh, although it's Lingard one-on-one. Is that a clear goal-scoring opportunity? Mm. Ouch. <laughs> um, so talk me through those uh, decisions and, and what the referee got right and otherwise, because... Because as I say, I haven't seen replays yet. Well, so um, let's go with uh, let's go with Danny Drinkwater. Deservedly got the second yellow. I mean, clear clear tug, uh, right on the line. The first contact, which is inside the box, of course. So that probably probably should have been a penalty. Uh, Mares, I thought Rojo was too tight. So I think he's very unlucky not to get the penalty there. Um, so that had been one-one on penalties. Uh, Rooney, absolute clear tug uh, with the player going past him. Already been booked. He was booked on um, on uh, the totting up procedure. He'd already been warned before he got the yellow card. And he went absolutely mad at the referee when he got the yellow card. Um, uh, had no justification for that because two minutes earlier the ref had uh, told him he was going to get another yellow card if he fouled again or get a yellow card. So Rooney, very lucky to stay on the pitch. And and Fellaini, well. Flaney. Um, oh no! Oh no! Uh, ev- everyone knows what's coming now. I'm just sitting here with my hands over my head, going, "Oh no!" We've opened the door. Van Gaal's opened the door. I'm just going to cheer. The, the Rancast is Ed's for a few minutes here. I, I I don't know what you want to talk about. I mean, um, Fellaini's had his uh, hair tugged, uh, I guess, and uh, stuck his elbow where it shouldn't be. What else did you want to talk about, Paul? No, nothing. That's fine. It's great. Lovely. What did you think of Van Hal's analysis of this uh, incident? <laughs> Listen, the only bit of Van Hal's analysis that I've heard firsthand is that he said when he was asked about it in the press conference, which he, he'd already done the trick uh, in the Sky interview where he'd pulled the guy's hair. I guess it was Jeff Shreves. So eh, Van Gaal's time in England, not totally wasted. Um, but he, he said in the press conference that if Fellaini gets banned, Hooth should be banned too. And Fellaini's reaction was that of a normal human being. I, I'm not quite sure I buy that given most normal human beings initial first reaction in life is not to try and elbow people in the face but that is definitely Fellaini's MO. It is yeah and and uh, Van Hal's analysis of um, of uh, uh, whether this kind of incident is allowed uh, is, is that the um, the action of a normal human being? Listen Van Gaal has clearly got some stuff going on. Yes, you could say his uh, tastes are um, unusual. Eclectic, yeah. Right, so Ranieri, um, a much more wholesome character, it's fair to say, uh, said that he thought that the thing that hugely changed the game, you mentioned United really good for 20, 25 minutes, was Leicester's goal. And it definitely felt like that. It definitely felt like United's Confidence, which had obviously taken that massive lift at the end of the semi-final. And then Martial scoring again, the atmosphere around the ground. It was really pumped up and positive at that point. And I, I really felt like everyone was playing well, um, with maybe the exception of Marcus Rojo. Uh, but then uh, Leicester hit back pretty quickly. I don't know how much time passed, but it felt like no time at all had come, gone past. And, and the whole thing went a little bit flat after that. And Leicester seemed pretty happy to hold on for the one all. Well, I think so in the end, obviously, with 10 men, they were. But yeah, I mean, I, I thought they came pretty strongly into the game in the second half. But they were pretty comfortable for most of it. They created eight chances from set pieces. No surprise. That's uh, where they're strongest and, of course, where they scored the goal from. Um, an absolutely shocking piece of defending from Marcus Rocco, got to say. I mean... Of all the bizarre decisions that Van Hal has taken, uh, aside from his S and M fetish, uh, is is playing Rocco when the guy's playing just he's having an absolute stinker week after week, and Van Hal for once didn't sub a fullback. When if there's ever been a case for subbing a fullback, it was today. Yeah, I mean he was terrible in the semi final as well. And, uh, you know, Cameron Borthwick Borthwick Jackson, Cameron Borthwick Jackson was sat in the stands and you just think a penny for his thoughts. And it's uh, Nick Man United Youth was tweeting uh, that this this really kind of puts pay to the idea that Van Gala's backed and and had faith in youth. It's been so selective. Yeah, yeah. No, I I think he's uh, he he treats young players much the way he treats older players. Right. Which in the. uh, it, when it comes to giving chances to young players is is seemingly a, a benefit, but he drops them like a hot potato as soon as they made a mistake, right? So Timothy Fosu-Mensa um, made a mistake for the uh, the penalty at Wembley, um, lost his head a little bit, got hauled off at half-time, and, and we probably won't see him again this season. 
Um, and it's not the first time that has happened with young players and Van Hull. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the, the one who hasn't had that treatment yet really is Rashford, although you could argue that the way he was taken off at half-time was a kind of little microcosm of that. And his level of talent is so outrageously obvious that he's a kind of special case, isn't he? Yeah, couldn't get into the game Rashford today. Uh, very few chances uh, and um, just lovely touches when he got the ball. Uh, just so comfortable in possession and looks at home at this level, clearly. Uh, but United just not able to get the ball to him very often. And, uh, well, you know, n- no surprise there, I suppose. But um, also Lingard and Martial not getting that close to him, um, which, you know, probably didn't help a lot. United had so much possession in the centre of the field. And they actually had a lot of p- possession in the in the final third, made a lot of uh, passes in the final third, but uh, not that many clear-cut chances in the end. So what did you make, I'm kind of tentatively asking this question, slightly reticent, uh, what did you make of Rooney's performance? Because it's a much tougher op- a much tougher opposition, obviously. Kante and Drinkwater is a very different proposition to Gibson and Cleverly. And I thought in the first half, I, from my take on it, was that he was actually playing really quite well again. He was still kind of at it, but I'm not sure that's been the consensus. And, and he definitely kind of reverted to spraying long passes in the second. Well, like Leicester sat off him uh, in the first half, so I didn't actually think Kante got around him that off that much, really. So he got the ball with plenty of space and he was moving it, so... Um, of course, he he shifts the he shifts the ball from uh, often from left to right with those sort of Hollywood balls, doesn't he? And and he had a, a hundred touches, nearly a hundred touches in the game, so he's definitely in the game a lot. And his pass completion rate is high, and and all of that. Um, so not a terrible performance by any means. Mm. Um, and uh, but you know, Leicester definitely sat off him, and that's been the theme of uh, the last few games that Rooney's been in midfield. We've played teams where he's not really been under physical pressure. I was surprised, actually, because I actually thought Leicester's, um, uh, you know, they they play four across midfield, but really Mahrez cuts inside all the time, so it's, you know, they should match up quite well. Uh, And I was surprised that um, Kante, Drinkwater and Mahrez didn't, uh, didn't cause United more problems in central midfield in the first half, but they did in the second. I mean, Leicester were, were definitely um, superior at moving the ball. They didn't, didn't have a lot of possession, but that, that's their way, I suppose. Mm. And they definitely missed Vardy. It would have been, he would definitely have got some, some chances. Yeah, I mean, they definitely missed Vardy. It, not just the chances, it's the, just the ability to stretch play. So those longer balls, and they do play quite a lot of direct balls, Leicester, uh, are much more effective when... Uh, they're in front of Vardy and Ajoa tends to come to the ball. He's comfortable with the ball being played into him. He's actually very neat and tidy there. And Okazaki's busy when he's on the pitch. Uh, he's always taken off, isn't he? He's, he's two games away from a Premier League record number of being substituted off. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and so it does make a big difference. I'd have been tempted just to play Schlupp up there, to be honest, just to stretch the game a bit more because he's he's obviously very quick. Um, but, uh, you know, Leicester are comfortable and the point suits them well, doesn't it? I mean, Spurs have now got to go to Stamford Bridge and win. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I, I, we're not quite sure when this will be edited and out. They might have done that by the time this is out. Is out. Yeah, absolutely. And and But, you know, Leicester are going to win the league, aren't they? Barring a massive catastrophe from here on out. It's, it's not quite done, but it's all but done. Ranieri was super endearing in the press conference afterwards, as you'd expect, talking about the fact that he's he's going back to Italy tonight. And uh, one of the journalists asked him, oh, why are you going to Italy? People might think you'd want to stay here and watch the game. Which I thought was a weird question, because to me, I can't think of any more logical human decision in this situation than uh, get yourself out of the country and... Uh, on you know away from television because there's nothing you can do to influence it. Alex Ferguson, well, Alex yeah. Ferguson was playing golf, wasn't he, when uh, that game right. when we won yes. the league for the first time under him when Villa drew with Oldham. That's it. Yeah, God, it's a, it's a different world we live in now. It's, listen, kids, Villa drawing with Oldham once had a bearing on our winning the league. Listen, kids, once upon a time we used to win the league. <laughs> um, but yeah, Branieri, he was asked why, and he said he was going to have lunch with his 96 year old mother, which I thought was rather nice. Then the uh-huh. is that what he calls it? He's uh, he's off to his dungeon, isn't he? Someone in the press conference said, uh, "Whereabouts in Italy does your mum live?" And he's like, oh, "I'm not telling you. I don't trust you." <laughs> it's good. It's good. good. It was good. It was he was he was in good fooling, as you'd imagine. Um, 
And he, I think he has handled all this brilliantly. It was interesting watching the Leicester supporters because the press box is so near where the away fans are. You get a much clearer sense of what's going on with them than in the Stretford end. And um, they, I kind of expected them to be really loud and boisterous all the way through. But it was like the kind of occasion was definitely getting to them and there'd be these bursts of really loud noise and then they were just like quiet for ages, which you kind of don't expect from opposition fans. But then after the game, when they'd got the draw, then they all went mad and were just like singing for, I don't know, half an hour, 45 minutes after the game. Yeah, they're all a little bit plastico though, aren't they? Leicester uh, fans? I would imagine there's lots of those fans that have been following Leicester a long time. I mean, they're... they're, they're Quality of chance is low. I mean, it's dreadful. It's dreadful. They they do um, the Yaya Colo song for Kante and Mares, and it's like, what are you doing, lads? Come on, you're going to win the league. You need some proper originality of thought. What do you think of Kante then? I think he's good. Is he uh, is he top club good? I mean, Leicester are going to win the league largely based. Not I mean not largely, but he's part of the. There, if they've ever got a statue of, uh, it's going to be Vardy, Mares, and Kante in the Holy Trinity that Jack Wilshere accidentally uses to promote Arsenal in the future. He's definitely been key to them. I mean, I've only seen him in person twice uh, this season, and he was good both games. Not like amazing, but but good. And and he's had lots of amazing games, hasn't he? Yeah, they used to say Roy Keane was two players in one. You know, great attacker and a great defender. I'm not sure. Kante's a great attacker, but he's like a double good defender. <laughs> uh, I mean, gets all over the pitch, incredible energy, um, and very effective at breaking up play. Obviously, um, so yeah, I, I, I would, I would be surprised if he doesn't get to play with a bigger club at some point in, in his career. I mean, we'll see. I, I would be really surprised if Leicester break this team up in the summer. You know, they have no incentive to. They, they're trying to tie those players down to longer term contracts. Um, and the TV money coming in means they can resist, uh, I guess. But uh, we'll see whether Leicester are able to sustain this kind of level. Uh, I guess everyone will be sus- expecting them to drop away next season. Um, but everyone's been expecting them to drop away every week all season. They and... have, yeah. Although, you know, they're going to have to come up with plan B at some point because... Well, they have, though. You know, they, they were battering teams in these crazy end-to-end games and then they just locked it up and won 1-0 week after week after week for a while. True, yeah. The, the way to play them is just to let them have the ball, though. But, uh, I mean... I... Well, except that they haven't lost a game since teams started doing that to them. True. Like, they... So, I think I think they deserve a lot of credit because I think you're absolutely right. That was clearly the received wisdom for long stretches of time. But, like, Sunderland did that, for example, and just got yeah. beat 2-0 in the end. And Leicester were terrible in that game. So how many of this Leicester side would get in the United side? Um, or, or put it the other way around, how many United players might get in the Leicester side? Well, uh, it's a difficult... You'd have Martial, wouldn't you? Mares on one side, Martial on the other. That'd be a bit tasty. That'd be really good. I'd love it if we signed Riyad Mares. Even though last week I said I think I'd want to see him do it for one more season. I, I think I'd take that back. <laughs> I've got I've got Giddy. I'd love it if we signed Mares uh, and a coach who likes that kind of player. I mean, the thing is, Mares, he gives the ball away all the time and gets caught in possession a lot. I mean, he's... He is Di Maria on steroids in terms of like taking risks, isn't he? Listen, allegedly, we're not saying anything about the, the <laughs> allegations swirling around Leicester City. An analogy, my friend. Yes, of course. So uh, what about Fuchs? I, I reckon Van Gaal might like him. Yeah, clearly. He's a fullback. Van Gaal likes all fullbacks. And Fuchs. Yes, quite. Um I, I, the centre back pairing, I don't know. No, nah, they're, they're they're. I mean, where's Morgan's? Uh, he's a decent player, uh, but they you know they're both on the slow side and and not particularly high quality. But they defend. Yeah, absolutely. Ranieri, absolutely full of praise for Wes Morgan after it said, "It's good with his feet. It's good with his head, and he's a good leader." It's a pretty good combination, isn't it? Um, that. They're a, they're a kind of endearing team in in some ways, but also they've got some right snide to them, haven't they? You know, like Hooth is Hooth is a, 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 a I wasn't I was going to say master of the dark arts, but I guess I, he's a practitioner of the dark arts. I'm not sure he's a master of them. Yes, I think Fellaini outmastered him there. Anyway, so where does this leave the two teams? I mean, Leicester 
as you say, likely to win the the Premier League now. It'd be a real surprise if they blew up from here. Although, I mean, there's still the possibility they might lose two games and Spurs win their next three. Um, United, uh, we're going to be in the Europa League. I, I mean, with any luck, United lose at West Ham and they're not in the Europa League because it might be a clean slate for whoever comes in next season. Yeah, I mean... The, the Champions League you think is gone I don't know if it's I think the first season of Van Gaal we generally had it down as a positive that United weren't in the New, in the Europa League but actually I think sometimes the momentum of I thought I fought like this season in a way it felt good to have midweek football again but a whole season of like especially those Europa League group stages it's just going to be quite brutal and, and also just dull right because it, this is so different being in the Champions League to the Europa League because the level that you care about and also the level of quality of football on show it's a very different story in the early stages isn't it in the early stages yeah I mean there's some very good teams uh, in the Europa League uh, and Liverpool um, but uh, yeah not, not in the group stages where you're playing someone from Estonia and Finland and, and whatever yeah uh, pretty miserable but then again, you know, it's not as if United have shown any quality in Europe for some time now. Uh, and, and you know, over, I, I, it's tongue-in-cheek uh, wanting United to lose at West Ham. Clearly, I don't want United to lose at West Ham. Um, but it is borderline whether you'd want them in the Europa League. The benefit of not having those games and, and being able to push higher up the league table is quite high. Um, is there momentum? Well... Some, but not playing on a Thursday. Playing Thursday, Sunday all the time um, has a quite negative impact on a lot of teams. And this feels really knee-jerk and ill-researched, but I'm going to make a wild assumption that the away trips are further away in the Europa League on average than they are in the Champions League. That might not be true, but it sort of feels like it. Lots of Central European trips and stuff like that. Indeed, yeah. So, um... I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think I think if you give me the choice of Europa League or no European football, I think I'd just about plump for no European football, but it's not a slam dunk in either direction. Um, being back in the Champions League would be great, but at this point that just feels completely fanciful. As it has all along, really, because it's always relied on us winning all our games and that never seemed very likely to happen. Um, so... It's been a week of a lot of football incident uh, on and on and off the pitch and to do with directly connected to United and, and not. I just wanted to briefly mention Hillsborough, which is something uh, we talked about a couple of years ago when uh, the first there was the first kind of public apologies and revelations came out. But a pretty momentous, historic ruling at the end of that two year long inquest, which... I've I've found uh, extremely moving United fans. There are still a strata of United fans who just don't care because it's Liverpool, and that's very upsetting because, you know, it's it's so it's such a kind of barbaric position to take because that could have been any anyone. And the the other thing is like a lot of United's the the kind of knock against Liverpool and the perception is so influenced by the way the media, the right-wing media in this country in the 80s talked about Hillsborough. Like, you can you can say it isn't and, and maybe not, but there's a strata of that which, you know, the the, the sun was right is something you'll always hear um, when United fans drunkenly gather. Uh, but the sun was wrong and... and well, yeah, the, the sun was wrong and so was Bernard Ingham and... Um, Boris Johnson and uh, and the police uh, and they have been for the last twenty seven years, right? And so they, they lied and they lied and they lied all the way through our childhoods. You know, we were being lied to by our government and our press all the way through. Well, that's never happened before, <laughs> oh, has it, Paul? It has. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing is with the um, the inquiry being public is that all the facts have come out in in drips over the last couple of years during the actual, you know, in public public inquests um so none of the conclusions are a surprise but uh, what has happened is is vindication for the families who've been seeking um acknowledgement of what happened you know the actual truth of what happened uh, on that day and you know it's a that is a some kind of closure for those families after 27 years of of not only uh being lied to about what happened but 
um, the the names of their loved ones being dragged through the mud. So you know, this is a it's a, it was a great day for football that this decision has been made, um, and uh, we we will you know of course Hillsborough and it's like will never happen again in Britain, but you know we we can now say definitively that the fans have won one over on the authorities you know in a way that hasn't happened uh for for many 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 years and you know and I went plenty of games in the the 80s and the 90s uh, and you know and went to games where it didn't feel very safe and I've been in plenty of games where the police were uh, not pleasant and you know if you just follow the fee- feed of the uh, football supporters federation you know that this happened a lot in many countries around Europe and that the police you know don't treat fans well that this ruling might not change that but it's uh, you know it's one in the win column for the fans um and it's and it's a huge momentous day for the families united fan chris taylor described it as one of the great working class movements of of all time that 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 movement, the Justice for the 96 campaign, because they were, you know, when you you hear the phrase tireless campaigning, the kind of emotional weight that they were carrying while they while they did what they did, standing up to the thing, the size that they were standing up to, the entire establishment, you know, and and that's an establishment that is still, it's still practising the, the, I was listening to the, Guardian Football podcast on the way home from Old Trafford and David Conn, who has covered this all the way through, uh, was talking about the head of South Yorkshire Police resigned the day after the inquest because all the way through that inquest, his team, the team defending the police, repeated the lies. They repeated them. They said them now. This is not... You know, 27 years old, it was like this in the 80s. They said it again. These are the people in government and in power and in authority now. You know, it's uh, it's it's not OK. And um, it, it was remarkable to see a victory. And, and whenever, you know, tribalism gets dragged into it, you just think, no, you don't know what you're doing here. You're, you're demeaning something really important to all of us, you know. So, yeah, there we go. <laughs> Soapbox, isn't it? In lighter news, Memphis Depay deleted all his pictures of him playing for Man United off his Instagram. Yeah, yeah, slightly odd that one. Then got nine minutes at the end of the game against Leicester. It was quite good as well, sort of quite active and buzzy. Although um, one of our listeners, uh, I can't find the the question at the moment, but one of our listeners was very annoyed that he jumped out of a 50-50 challenge. Right. Yeah, uh, didn't bother me that one. I, n- I know the one he's talking about. So, um, yeah, me- Memphis, really odd. Not sure what to make of this. Obviously, this will create a thousand column inches. Um, are United about to get rid? Has he been told he's off? I mean, we talked about this last week. For me, it makes absolutely no sense. United are not going to get any more money for him this summer than they would in a year's time. So unless something um, really bad has happened behind the scenes. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. We'll see. What do you think? I mean, I think you don't delete all your Instagram pictures and unfollow all your Man United teammates unless you're off. I really, I really think that it feels ridiculous to read into someone's use of social media. But that's such a extreme thing to do, uh, unless he's fed up with people putting comments about him being rubbish on there, which I'm sure is happening a lot. Which might be true as well. Um, you know what? I'd really like. I'd like to get to the point where. The, uh, the media, in the broadest sense of the word, is mature enough that when someone does something on social media, it, it isn't a news story. But except that I think the problem with that is I think this actually is. I think, you know, posting some random thing on social media, you know, it gets covered to death in a ridiculous way. But I do think this is actually kind of a story because it was it was such an extreme social media activity. Like, he just decimated... He removed all evidence that he had kind of been part of United, really. Although, still following Man United on Twitter, which makes me think there's a contractual penalty for not following Man United on Twitter. I mean, people of a crueler persuasion might say that his performances on the pitch have removed all evidence that he's a Manchester United player. (laughs) (laughs) But there's been hints, right? There's been glimpses. Anyway, maybe... But as you say, we talked about the actual reality of it last week, but I just thought that was a a pretty extreme move, um, a very 21st century way of dealing with this. And and it does make me think about Van Gaal's handling of players. 
because Dimery and, and Memphis, both of them will just get written off by huge swathes of United fans. Like, oh yeah, they, they in Dimery's case, he never wanted to be there. Memphis's case, he was never the right quality. But I just think it's really indicative of, it's basically negligent that Van Gaal let that happen twice. And I think it is this thing of players either love him or they hate him. They're either in the camp or they're dead to him, basically. And if you're not a Van Gaal player, you might as well be dead. And I, I think it's one one bit further than that is, uh, players who follow instructions yeah. are in the camp. And very specific, that is. And that's why Jesse Lingard plays a lot. Right, He does follow the tactical instructions and he's sound defensively. Not that good going forward, though, is he? He's not. He's not that good going forward. Who's your man of the match for United against Leicester, would you say? Actually, I'm not sure. I mean, I guess Martial, because he's got the goal and uh, he's always a threat. Uh, and, uh, you know, just emphasising that... He, he didn't get a shout in the uh, Young Player of the Year or the, the main award and really should have done in one or both. Um, uh, so he was pretty good again. Yeah, 15th goal in all competitions. Um, on absolute fire at the moment, clearly. Yeah. Uh, Manchester Evening News ran an online poll. Uh, who should be United's Player of the Year? We'll, we'll come to that in our final uh, show of the season. 1.3% of people voted for Wayne Rooney. Shout out to that 1.3%. At least one of them probably listens to this show and absolutely hates our guts, I would imagine. Um, the uh, Player of the Year awards, I think, are uh, a record-settingly early because I think they're happening tomorrow, Man United's own Player of the Year awards. And I wonder whether Dave or... Uh, you might know by the time you listen to this whether Dave or Tony's won it. I sort of want Martial to win it. I mean, maybe, I think you could probably make a case that he might even maybe just deserve it a little bit more than Dea. That's close, though. It's not a case I would stand strongly behind. But basically, you can't give it to your goalkeeper three seasons in a row. It's not a good look. It's not a good look. But has he been United's most consistent best player? Yeah, probably. <laughs> yes, def- definitely. Um he did miss that month, didn't he? But then went and signed Martial yet by that point. So. Yeah, I don't think that's his fault. He wanted to play. No. Anyway, um, we, yeah. we can uh, do a uh, timeline of things that pissed us off about Van Gaal uh, towards the end of the season. But that was August's pissing off. <laughs> He's been talking a lot of nonsense in the last week or so. Yes. What's, what's been your favourite ridiculous Van Gaal sentences in the past week? Well, I mean, you know, I'm just going to go with the, the popular one, but uh, United are not doing well because none of the team are used to winning the title. I think... I... That 13 players with a league title in the United squad, including four Champions League winners and two World Cup winners. I think uh, Rooney and Carrick maybe have won. Five, five, Louis. He's won the Wayne Rooney's won five league titles. I'm not sure how many carrots got. It's got to be at least four, right? Really, really ridiculous. Um, that one got me. The other one was it is easier for Leicester. Easier for he was talking about the transfer market. The idea that the transfer market is easier for a club trying to punch above its weight than it is for United is such garbage because actually if United had really wanted Riyad Mahrez there's no way Leicester would have wound up with him yep they'd have paid 10 times as much at least but that's really not the point because they earn 10 times as much so yeah ridiculous yeah quite and and it's also a load of bollocks right that uh, somehow United have to pay more no United can pay more uh, because the club generates so much cash uh, they don't have to by any means. I mean, I, I, do you not think there's some argument that says there's always going to be a United tax? Because the, no, it's just negotiation. Right. It's just negotiation. But then again, if you're stupid enough to pay 20 times uh, the value of Riyad Mahrez for Bebe, then maybe you deserve it. Yeah, although 50 million very well spent on Lanty Martial, of course. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, he's infuriating Louis van Gaal. There's no charm left. Um, you know, the kind of idiosyncratic stuff, throwing himself to the ground, um, uh, the kind of bizarre stuff in press conferences, pulling a journalist's hair, all of that kind of stuff. Uh, that's just fallen to the wayside for me um, compared to the excuses. I mean, I have to say I'm not totally in that same... So he looked incredibly sad in the press conference. Like, he looked beaten. It's the second... I guess that's the third time I've seen him look either really flustered or beaten in a press conference. He looked incredibly flustered after Leicester away and that he was really 
incoherent in that press conference. The Norwich at home, he just looks like a completely beaten man, understandably, given we all thought he was a completely beaten man at this point. But he looked like that again after today, I, I think... He just looked like he knew that that his goose was cooked. But I've thought that before and then he's come kind of roaring back. And, you know, there's definitely still part of me that likes part of him, but not enough to uh, override the complete nightmare that is his time in charge of Man United nowadays. Exactly. So um, what do our uh, listeners think? Have we got any questions this week? Yeah. At Doran Salomon says, are you also just a bit drained by this season and want it to end? Yeah. Yeah, it's not been fun. No, it's only got fun a tiny bit at the end, and that has been mostly by luck. The, the problem is the FA Cup final, which is so exciting. That's like definitely given a bit of jazz to the season again. So I kind of not. That's the one thing that that's a highlight in the, on the schedule. But yeah, it's been it's been a long dull season. The problem is, of course, after the the season comes the summer, and that's worse. Well, at least United can't lose. <laughs> There's no actual football, so they, um, they can lose in the transfer market. Yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah, the incessant column inches and speculation are, are going to be pretty miserable. Mm-hmm. Um, let's hope they just wrap up the deal for for Jose quickly, and then uh, we can just all move on. Yeah, it's the first of May today, so that means that Jose's either got the job or he's sitting on an extra five, a cool five mil, right? For doing nothing, yes. That's the So they say. Uh, At Mark Steele 95, addressing your question, Ed, uh, or your statement, will Van Gaal's drunken Player of the Year antics be as enjoyable now that we all hate him? No, it won't, but I hope he says something really outrageous just for the fun of it. (laughs) Um, Maybe give some details on his his, uh, bedroom predilections. (laughs) Oh, my God, please, no. You know it's coming, though, right? Um at Billy Bob 1310, talking of speculation and column inches, Antoine Griezmann and Renato Sanchez for a combined trillion billion euros or whatever it is. Yes, I'd take Griezmann. I'm... I'd, I'd definitely take Griezmann and, you know, I've seen a lot of him. Renato Sanchez, sorry, I don't watch the Portuguese league, so um, I'm going to own up to not knowing anything about the guy. So I've not seen a ton of him in action, but I have uh, I have done a bit of research around him because he's come up and I've had to write about him. So I asked I asked around uh, Sam Tai, who watches a ton of uh, football at all different levels, said that when Sanchez was first bursting through it was on the left side and he looked really kind of creative and talented but actually in central midfield he's kind of flaky and and that's what I've seen like if you look at his YouTube compilations you know it's a terrible way of judging a player right but his YouTube compilations are quite bad like there's loads of stuff in them where it looks it's like that's just three people fouling him if that's all you can find to make him look good you know um so yeah not not sure about that maybe here's another warning he comes from Jorge Mendes and the hit rate from this guy is not good. Uh, another question from our Billy Bob thirteen ten, and I think this is related to Mendes as well, but I can't quite remember. Should we have installed a buyback clause into Anderson's sale? I didn't sell him; he went for a free. <laughs> there you go. We've always got a buyback clause on Anderson in our hearts. Uh, at night, wink ninety nine. Does Bastion have a place in the squad next season, or is a fit Rooney the better option? Oh my god! Say a fit Schweinsteiger is a better option. Yeah, I mean neither neither a great option. And uh, you know, look, I, Rooney's done okay over the last uh, what four games in in a midfield role. For me, he's nowhere near a, a world class central midfielder. Bastian just hasn't done enough and uh, unfortunately his injury record means that he won't play very many games next season. I guess he's one to hang around the, the squad. Carrick, it looks like he's going, so they'll freshen up central midfield to bring in some younger younger players, I guess. Maybe this guy, Renato Sanchez, is one of them. Um, it's also about trusting the players you've got. I mean, for me, the two that should have started in central midfield today were definitely Schneiderlin and Herrera. Um, given who United were up against. Uh, but it was also predictable who would actually be playing them. Yeah, I mean, I think like when I was doing the predicted lineup, it was so clear that Fellaini would play because of the height on set pieces thing against Yeah, Hoop but he's Morgan. terrible. But turns he's out, terrible. Yeah, turns out Morgan scored from yeah. the set piece. Um, right? So uh, you know. Dan Bennett, who does the previews for United Rant, puts uh, Herrera and Schneidlin in his predicted team. And I, I dropped him an email and said... You know, are you sure about this, mate? Because I, I, I'm going to go with 0% chance this is true. 
And he was like, yeah, well, hope gets the better of me. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I've definitely been there. Uh, offside Liam says, why does Rojo burn his toast? Brilliant uh, post from Bearded Genius who uh, posted this picture of Rocco with incredibly burnt toast saying that Rocco was displaying his current form through the medium of toast. It looks horrible and he looks so proud. He shared, talk about social media, he shared this picture of toast on social media. I reckon he was just uh, taking some uh, some hints from Van Hal because um, he's in the bed with his uh, his lovely missus. Yes, but terrible. I'm here all night, by the way. L- listen, right? I know what you're doing, and it's fine. It's fine. But the toast, Ed, the toast. It was not good toast. Just is there? Please get in touch if you like your toast like that, because it doesn't look good, and I, that can't be nice. But I pres- do you give good toast. Presumably, I, listen. If I make you a piece of toast and I serve that to you, I give you every permission to to just like throw the toast back in my face because that is it's unacceptable that you would serve that to another human being. <laughs> <laughs> um, at Alan Roberts twenty five, how much more like the Count from Sesame Street is your LVG impression going to get? I is that a question for you, Ed? No, I don't think it is, is it? One. One pass completed. Two. Two passes completed. Ah, ah, ah. At Will Wait, I'm sure we've had this question before. How do you boys like your steak cooked? Medium. I like mine made out of aubergine, son. I, I, I always thought that you'd be more of a rare man, I have to say. No, no, no. I'm not, I'm not really into it, bloody. Okay. I, I went to a restaurant the other night with uh, some uh, work colleagues of the... Uh, the the executive kind right and uh, and they were ordering one pound a gram Kobe steaks right my god uh, that seems like definitely at least some percentage of everything that's wrong with the world oh absolutely totally I did not I got the fish um Eric was at Old Trafford he was he was he he's been pictured with Rocco yeah. Uh, hopefully Rocco was cleaning his boots. Uh, <laughs> Peter Schmeichel. Boo. Yeah. Boo. Oh, though there was a lovely moment when Casper Schmeichel walked past the director's box on his way off and Big Pete was waving at him and he was waving back and they were sort of doing, you know, pointy, oh, we'll meet up down there later. It was very nice. He looked he looked very proud, as you would imagine. Yeah. Picture of him with Bastian. Yeah. Uh, and and Eric looking remarkably like Saddam Hussein at the moment. Yeah, we've had a question from friend of the rank cast Mary who asks who looks more like Saddam Hussein, Roy Keane or Eric Cantona in that beard. And at Neil underscore Shannon wants a beard offer. Wants us to know wants to know our opinion on which of the two has a better beard. Well, so I think Cantona because he's you know he's generally in a happy mood looks like Saddam in the height of his kind of you know reign. Um, but he didn't have a beard in those days. The beard was fully like messed up Saddam, wasn't well, it? Well, the so. fully messed up Saddam is definitely, definitely Kino with the wild eyes just before he's about to hang kind of wild eyes. Um, if the Moyes era was Bobbins, asks at Mark Hopner, uh, what does that make Van Gaal's reign? Utter Bobbins? I think it's Bobbins with a Dutch S. I think that's that's it. Um, yeah, so thank you for all those questions. We've had tons as always and... We'll do more next week. We've got a preview, a game coming up. Uh, it's against Norwich, who are very bad at football. Very, very bad at football. They are the second worst team in the Premier League behind Aston Villa. Who, who actually, Villa gave it a shot against Watford, didn't they? Still lost, 11 games in a row. Do you mean they had a shot against Watford? Is that what you mean? They scored twice. That's ridiculous. I know. Uh, Norwich lost at Arsenal, no surprise there. Um, they, they, they're desperate. I mean, the only thing in Norwich's favour is that Newcastle have played a game more. Um, uh, but Norwich's uh, goal difference is inferior to Sunderland. They're they're in real trouble at the moment. You know they're point off Sunderland, two points behind Newcastle. Uh, inferior goal difference to to Sunderland. Uh, they're in desperate desperate trouble. Probably worth pointing out at this point. Norwich beat us at Old Trafford. <laughs> just, just it's enough to make <laughs> you lock yourself in your dungeon, isn't it? <laughs> that was three points. Three of their meagre total of points achieved on the road against United in the nadir of our season in December. Mm. Norwich play us, then they're at home to Watford, who uh, somehow appear to be firing their manager who is significantly overperformed this season. 
madness. Uh, and they're away to Everton, who may or may not have a manager in charge on the last day of the season. Yeah, they probably should fire their manager, who has definitely yeah. not overperformed this yeah, season. Yeah, Roberto marching orders. <laughs> I was saying this to someone earlier today, though, like lots of United fans going kind of gloating at Everton fans for having had the audacity to to suggest they were happy that Moyes had gone and Martinez was in. I still stand with them. I think that's a perfectly fair point, to be honest. So, look, United should win this one, right? Away at Norwich, who are terrible. Then again, United are terrible on the road. I mean, it's the, what, sixth or seventh best record on the road in the Premier League. And uh, don't score a lot of goals, don't create a lot of chances, play exactly the same way against uh, the opposition, whoever it is, um, whether it's Norwich or Barcelona. Uh, he will set up with two defensive well, midfielders in well, there. Willy, well, Willy. Well, yeah, I know, Willie. We'll see, we'll see. Um I'd be really surprised if he doesn't because that's what he does away from home. Maybe United will open up. Of course, will United even care? Do the players even believe in it anymore? Has the motivation gone? Well, I suppose the fact that City lost makes a bit of difference in that department, doesn't it? And I I guess maybe some of it will depend. Is the the Champions League semi-final second leg midweek this week? It is, indeed. Yeah, so maybe maybe there's a little bit of something there that that depends on it. Um, Norwich, this is the... The thing about playing relegation-threatened teams, obviously this is a massive football cliche, but it's kind of unavoidable at this point. You know, they are, even though the the problem is they're terrible, right? That's why they're relegation-threatened. But on the other hand, they will be fighting with all they've got because it doesn't look like they've ever really stopped trying Norwich. They just... They just haven't looked very good. No, right. Um, they concede a ton of goals and, and that's been their problem all season. So Alex Neal hasn't been able to get them um, to to be tight at all, ever. Except against us at Old Trafford. Except against us at Old Trafford. <laughs> Which is really weird, right? Because we've conceded eight goals at Old Trafford in the league this season. I don't know. I haven't looked, I haven't updated the table after Leicester, but before Leicester, we were first in home form. We would literally win the league if it was just on, on home form. Um, and talking of which and talking to managers saying ridiculous things Arsene Wenger claiming that Arsenal were top of the league away from home where in fact they're actually third and two teams behind them are less are three points or less with a game in hand on <laughs> away from home yes uh, Wenger also claiming that the bad atmosphere at the Emirates was uh, was impacting Arsenal so um oh and the the, uh, the banks were happy to uh, lend Arsenal money as long as he was in charge. Woohoo! Loans were got. Oh, fantastic. This is what football's about, yeah. So fourth place is a trophy and getting a loan from a bank is a double trophy. I mean, the, the Arsenal protests, uh, I didn't see how effective they were. I saw lots of pictures limp. of A4 and A3 uh, pieces of paper. They were very limp. They were very limp, yeah. Um, but, you know, like I see the argument quite often now that against the protests that, well, who, who would be better? Anyone. Anyone. It's 12 years since Arsenal have, have pushed for the title. Okay, they got a couple of cups, but let's be honest, the uh, the big clubs don't care much about the FA Cup anymore, do they? <laughs> no, 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 absolutely. Uh, if you're in the title race, I mean, when was the last time someone won the double? It's a very long time ago, isn't it? Right. And they've gone out in the last 16, what, four or five years in a row now, Arsenal. Um, they've just, you know, when it comes to to being uh, uh, challenging for anything. Arsenal aren't there. Um, you know, great dismissive quote from Arda Turan recently where he said, if I played well at uh, Atletico, I knew I could get a transfer to Arsenal. I knew if I played really well, I'd go to Barcelona. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Exactly. And, and, and this is the thing. I, I completely agree because um, I was talking to Mark from the Red Bank Union podcast before the the, the former Red Bank Union podcast, sort it out, lads, um, when before the game and he was saying that you know it's all very well to say that United fans are spoiled and their expectations are are ridiculous given you know how much we've all seen in terms of trophies won but you constantly get it rammed down your neck when you're there this is the biggest club in the world you know that's the kind of the stage that Man United sets itself on so there's a kind of reasonable expectation that goes along with that 
that the team should be good, the football should be good, that should be part of what it means to be the biggest club in the world. And like you say, it's not just that Arsenal haven't won the league for the last 12 years, they haven't come close, right? And um, not only that, but they've been caught in this whirlwind of Groundhog Day for the last five years, probably, where it's like there's always a period of the season where they look good, and it's either before the pressure kicks in or after the pressure's been relieved because they've had a terrible start to the season. And it is over and over again, and, and it's the character of the manager. I'd I'd be... I'd be I'd be there with my A3 banner if I was an Arsenal fan. Yeah. Uh, one player who is doing well at Arsenal is uh, Danny Welbeck, who scored again. He's looking really good. Now he's back and fit. Had a very long time out this season, but he's he's playing very well. He, he's not only going to Euro 2016, I think he should start for England. Someone, someone actually complained that we talked about England last week, so I won't do that too much. Um, but uh, yeah, your old friend is doing well. Yeah, I was going to say, what was that you just said, Ed? Oh, Paul was right all along. Oh, thanks. Thanks a lot. No, he he does look like the only proper footballer in that team. He does look like the only one with the kind of correct mental strength that you need in these environments. It it, it does look... Could, could it be because he's, he's won titles? <laughs> yeah, they've literally just transplanted in one Man United player to make them a small percent better. He, he just looks like a Man United player on loan at Arsenal still. Yes. Uh, and he hasn't had he hasn't had the Man United player kicked out of him by Moyes and Van Gaal either. No, well, exactly, yeah. Perhaps we can get him back for that winning mentality <laughs> that Van Gaal's missing. I'd take him in a heartbeat, obviously. Yeah, I, I, would he count as a senior creative player? <laughs> uh, would Would Van Gaal acknowledge that he'd ever won the league? He'd make Van Gaal horny, though, wouldn't he? Everyone does. Um, the uh, Surely, surely Van Gaal's gone. That's the mental picture I didn't need. (laughs) I'm not having you throwing accusations about mental pictures at me, son. (laughs) That's that's not fair. (laughs) Um, The Van Gaal must be gone, right? It would be, I mean, I know we talk about this every week, but it feels like we're getting to the point now. We're starting to get angsty about this. He hasn't gone yet because of the stupid FA Cup which I'd be delighted if he wins, actually. But anyway, like he's not gone yet and, and they're not going to announce it before he leaves, presumably. So we've all got a kind of antsy month ahead of us, three weeks or whatever it is, just waiting for this to happen. But it is going to happen, is it? Tell me it's going to happen, Ed. It's going to happen. Okay, good. I feel better now. So uh, the other thing that's going to happen is uh, three or four more rank casts before the end of the season. Um, the next one next week. Thank you very much for listening to this one. If you want to get in touch with us, Ed's on Twitter at United Rant. I'm at UTD Rantcast. Facebook and every other social media platform in existence. Uh, that's slash United Rant. Uh, we won't delete our uh, pictures of Manchester United uh, from any of those. And uh, we'll catch you the same time next week. A massive thank you to producer Tom, as always, uh, without whom this podcast literally wouldn't exist anymore. Very true. Um, Yeah, thank you, Tom. And we'll uh, see you on various social media uh, outlets. Uh, Here's to another victory from United against Norwich or something like that. I'm off to read Fifty Shades of Grey. What about you, Paul? (laughs) Actually, before I let you go, uh, there is one final act of... um, Steady, steady on. You've just got to to predict the score. Uh, True. Uh, United... Um, two Norwich one <laughs> reversing that fixture drawing with them on aggregate <laughs> that would be beautiful um, I'm going to go for a 3-0 win to the mighty Reds Martial with the goal and uh, Rashford with a brace very nice let's hope that one happens uh, we'll see you next week take it easy